Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Glad that you're with us. My name is Blake. I'm the lead pastor here at Faith. And uh, I'm excited. We get to kick off a new three-part series talking about marriage. Now, I know what some of us might be thinking is, well, I'm not married. My hope for you right now is to understand maybe that someday you have or will be, have aspirations to be married, or maybe you need to just take a moment and pray what we talk about these next three weeks for the couples all around us. We are a church that values biblical marriage. Okay, we are. That's who we are. We're a family's church. We love healthy and vibrant relationships. Now, if you're in here right now and maybe you are married at this moment, let's hope and let's pray that you will have an enhanced relationship these next three weeks or maybe some things to work through, all right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but a lot of us going into marriage or if you've ever uh, had those aspirations and dreams of being marriage or uh, being married, there's some things you think about, things you hope for. Ladies, maybe you've grown up and you had this idea, this dream that you've dreamed of marriage, of meeting Mr. Perfect. He would, he would do everything that you said. He would mow the grass, and he would have his shirt off, and he would be chiseled from shoulder to, to toe, and he looks so good. And, and when he's done doing his daily chores, he would come in and, and give the back rub or the foot rub and, and then handle all the laundry, and, and how many of us are still dreaming, ladies, right? Or fellas, maybe you've been here before and you're like, man, I can't wait to get married. That means sex two times a day and three times on Sunday. Yes, we're talking about marriage. And you're still like, man, I am dreaming right now. You know, and we go through this, this season and we have this dream of what we want our marriages to be, but then reality sets in and and who maybe you thought you were going to marry looks nothing like you envisioned, nor had they ever acted like you thought that or envisioned. See, our hope today as we go through this is to answer some questions and to talk about some things to bring a vibrancy to our relationships. And it makes us ask this question simply this, are great marriages even possible? I got news for you, because you might be in here and you're going through something. Yes, they are. Are great marriages possible? Well, not likely. I want us to understand that. Did you know according to the data that's out there, 50% of marriages end in divorce. And maybe you're going through this and you're struggling and there's some things happening. Did you know anything? Maybe you can get it right the second time. You know, the percentages creep up. They say your second marriage, 60% failure rate. And if you think you can get it, third time is a charm. Your third marriage. According to the data out there, numerous different studies, potentially a 70% failure rate. 
So if we took those stats and asked ourselves, are marriages, great marriages, even possible, we'd probably say uh, it's not very likely. Because if we would step into any other part or avenue of life and say, hey, if I invest my money in this bank account or in, in this stock market and you have a 50-50 shot to see your money come back in return, how many of us would take that chance? No. If I told you you had a 50-50 shot to drive to work without being hit by a car filled with a bunch of cats, and yet you would die, how many of us would say, I'm not driving to work? Or maybe my ice cream eaters out there. You're like, hey, at night when it's just you in the freezer and you could have your quart of ice cream, if I told you you had your favorite ice cream ever, but there was a 50-50 shot that you would die if you ate that ice cream, you'd say, I'd give that up. Nowhere would we take those odds. Yet routinely in culture and in America, in the United States, we say, hey, I'm going to go and get married. It's what we do. It's how we live our lives. It's, it's par for the course. And here's the crazy part about our world. To drive, you have to take a class or, or pass a permitting test, and then you have to take another license test. But if you want to get married, that can cause the greatest emotional stress in life, right? Financial strain in life, right? Or relationships that sometimes are some of the hardest to work through. All you have to do is go down to the Lee County Clerk's office and pay for a marriage license for simply $86, and yet we come to this moment in this wrestle part of our lives when we talk about marriage, that we live in this crazy world. And yet a lot of our marriages are going through some things and we need to talk about it because we don't want the results of the world. We don't want that 50-50. We want great marriages, enthusiastic marriages, passionate marriages. So if you're single in this place, I want you to listen to me real quick. Hone in. My hope, part of my hope for you as a pastor is that you get married in a church to your special someone by a pastor. And here's my why. Because marriage is a covenant between you and God It's not a legal contract between you and the government. Understand that. So, we're going to be talking about that. My wife and I had, we had some vows. They they simply went like this. I, Blake, take you, Brittany, to be my wife. And I do promise and covenant before God and these witnesses to be your loving and faithful husband and in plenty and in want and in joy and in sorrow and in sickness and in health as long as we both shall live. So for these next three weeks, we title our series, As Long As We Both Shall Live, that no matter what the world throws at us, no matter what circumstance I've ever gone through or will go through, I am standing with my wife hand in hand. It's a covenant between me and her and God. That's our hope for you today. 
And maybe you have some baggage or maybe you have some things going on in life. It's still not too late to go through a process of resolution and restoration. Understand that we have a God that is filled with grace. That is all about giving us second chance after second chance. So if you're in a marriage right now, we want the best for you. So for these next three weeks, we're going to be talking about these three commitments. And I'm going to have them pull up on the screen behind me. And these are the three commitments. We're going to commit to first today to seek God. Underline that if you're taking notes. We're going to seek God. Next week, we're going to talk about having fun. And I'm going to give a little uh, PSA right there. Having fun in marriage. We have a great kids ministry. So already be thinking about that next week, all right? And then we're going to be talking about how we should never give up. So that's what we're going to be talking about these next three weeks. These are what we're going to commit to. Say this with me on the count of three. We commit to, we commit to these three things on the count of three. One, two, three. We commit to seek God to have fun, and to never give up. So if you're married in this place, you kind of know what's going on. If you're single in this place, I want to encourage you, you are laying a foundation right now for your future spouse, for your future special someone. So let's talk about that. The first commitment when it comes to seeking God. Here's the problem when it comes to seeking God. Many people seek a special someone or a spouse before they seek God. Understand that their number one in life is who can I find that's perfect? Who can I find Mr. Right? Who can I find that they have my list of 15 or maybe if you're really into it, 33 items and if they can hit each checkbox, oh boy, and you buy into that culture and you buy into the world's lies that if I find Mr. Perfect or Mrs. Right, you know what? I'm going to be fulfilled. I'm going to feel great. Everything's going to be perfect in life. And we're going to sip sweet tea on the front porch. How many of us know it doesn't really work that way, right? This is what I want to point us to, and this is what I want to capture when it comes to seeking God. God is our number one, and your spouse is your number two. God is your number one, and your spouse is your number two. A foundation for any great relationship starts with understanding God is my first priority. If you want to be healthy, if you want to live a spiritually led, filled life, it begins with understanding God is my number one. When Jesus has this encounter with religious leaders, they're, they're trying to test him and they're trying to kind of push on him a little bit. And they ask him, Jesus, what is the greatest command of all? And Jesus responds with this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. He says this, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. See, God is our number one. You want a great marriage? Seek God. If you want success with your kids, seek God. If you want to live and operate in a generous lifestyle, seek God. Our spouse is not number one in our life. God is our number one in life. 
When Jesus is confronted and they're talking to him about what are the worries of life, what are the the trials, Jesus responds with, don't worry about all that stuff. This is his advice to individuals. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things, but seek first his kingdom. So I know we've been talking and will be talking about marriage, but I love young people. I love single people. I I love all kinds of people. I love the men in this place. I love the ladies in this place. I love the fact that we're coming together as a collective church pursuing God. One of the foundational points for us as a church is to always be a church that is seeking God in every aspect in our corporate worship, and in our marriages, and our friendships, seek God. But I want to pause and take some more time and talk to individuals out there that might not be married. And I want to encourage you with this. While you're waiting for that special someone, I want to encourage you with this. Seek the one while you're preparing for the two. Seek the one while preparing for the two. I've seen this scenario play out very many times um, in, in certain aspects. I was involved in student ministry, and this pastor puts it perfectly when he shared this story. Um, there was this young lady, grew up in the church, uh, went to church camps, went to the, the youth camp. Her family was committed Christians, and she went away after she graduated high school to the state university and gave into some, little, uh, gave into some peer pressure. Started drinking a little bit, a little bit turned into a lot of it. A lot of it became drug usage. Drug usage became this hookup lifestyle. Now, while she was going through this season of her life, she always had in the back of her mind, oh, I'll get it right sometime. I'll get it dialed in at some point. And she kept thinking this way and kept going through that. She's in this exploration phase, this experimental phase. And as she's going through this, she's like, I'll, I'll come back to God eventually. So she graduates college, still kind of living that lifestyle, and before she knew it, she sees and meets Mr. Wright. See, occasionally through this time, she would show up to church, and she would try to kind of stay connected with God, and she's all excited. She meets this guy, everything on the list. After that Sunday service, she goes home to tell mom and says, hey, mom, you won't believe it. I met Mr. Right goes on to tell all these great things. Mom, he's in his career. Mom, he's leading a Bible study. Mom, he's involved heavily at church. Mom, he seems like just a great guy. Mom, he's great looking and tells all these things about this guy. And her mom, as she's busy in the kitchen, stops what she's doing, looks over at her daughter and says, if he's that great, what makes you think he would be interested in a girl like you. Talk about a gut punch. But see, the point that I'm trying to illustrate for each of us is this. If you want to marry a person of your ideal, you need to live out what that ideal might be. Understand that if you want to marry someone that has it together, that is looking the part, acting the part, following Jesus. Be that type of person that you want to marry. Understand, like attracts like. 
If you have 21 different sex partners, guess what you're probably maybe going to go and attract 21 different sex partners. If you're living that lifestyle, guess what lifestyle you're probably going to attract? That lifestyle. I'm very serious in this, in this matter because if you're young and if you're going through that exploration phase and you're trying to figure some things out and you're saying, hey, I'll come back when things are right, I'm telling you, you're not going to attract the people that you want in your life. You're not going to attract the right people. You're not going to attract the right person. It's a challenge, and sometimes it can be gut-wrenching for us to understand and, and hear that. And now, if you're married in this place, this is what I'm going to ask you. Make a commitment to do this. Always seek the one with your number two. Always seek the one with your number two. See, God is your number one. Kids aren't number one. Job is not number one. Getting ahead in career and promotional pathways isn't number one. God is number one. What happens is sometimes we, we, can, we, we can have this mentality. It can become idolizing or demonizing. Maybe in that dating lifestyle, you're like, oh, man, things are good. You're talking about your friends. He's so easygoing, and, and you're dating, and maybe you're thinking about this. And if, if we don't put God number one, this is what can happen. We can idolize or we can demonize. We can say, oh, he's easygoing. When we're dating at the front part of our marriage, he's playing video games, and he was always real chill. And, and you're like, man, at one point, you liked his easygoingness. You're like, hey, that's awesome. He's a fun guy to be around. Then years go by, what can happen? It becomes that same thing that you once idolized. His easygoingness now becomes, man, is he lazy? Is he going to get a job? How come I have to push him along? How do I have to encourage him to go further and faster in life? See, what happens is we make our spouse our number one. We can idolize, but then on the back end of it, we demonize. Because why? People are human. People make mistakes. People can't live up to the standards that we expect or control or create in our mind. So first, when it comes to understanding these items and these things, if you're single or, or looking to position yourself to, to uh, pre present yourself as available, be the person that you want to marry. And if you're married in this place, seek God always with your number two. So when I was trying to figure out, okay, what's it mean to truly and genuinely seek God? I, I started thinking about all these different things, aspects of my marriage um, with, with my wife and, and different things. So I started coming up with, okay, you got to read the Bible. You got to attend church together. You got to serve together. All these different scenarios. Okay, we got to go on missions trips. We got to get all these things dialed in. Once we get these things dialed in, oh man, everything will be great. So once I started looking at this list, there are some great things in that list, but I realized if I gave you 75 things to do today, you would probably leave here and say, we're not doing any of those things. Overwhelmed. What can we do? So I want to give you one thing, what I call a cornerstone habit. I'm into goal setting. I like setting different things for myself and my family and, and work and, and, and our church. And this is what I've come to realize. It's not necessarily about how grand the goal is, but it's about the habits that you stack to get to the goal. So there's some understandings when it comes to the goal, that there's these cornerstone habits. 
And if you read some books about this, it's, it's these habits that if we do this one habit, it will present and give and create momentum to the other habits that we want to instill and incorporate in our life. So here's the habit, the big way that I want you to seek God, and that's this, with your spouse, with your loved one, is this, pray together daily. Pray together daily. Prayer is what I would say is that habit that's a cornerstone habit. It propels and creates momentum to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do the following because I'm praying. I liken it to this, uh, and personally in my life, uh, I have this 5 a.m. rule. If I can get up by 5 a.m., my day is 10 times more productive. I have my alone time, I prep for meetings, I, I have some study time, I can read, I'm up before the kids, then when the kids get up and my wife gets up, then I can help around, prepare for the day, get them in the car, off to school. But the days that I don't get up by 5 a.m., I feel like I'm trying to play catch up. And scrambling and, and, and I'm yelling at the kids. My wife and I are going back. Hey, are you making the lunch? Hey, are you getting them in the car? Are you loading everything up? And, and then we leave distressed. And because I'm distressed and I feel behind, I'm speeding to work. And then when I speed to work, I, I envision this in my mind. A cop then pulls me over. I get a ticket. I get mad. I get frustrated. And I say, hey, I'm a pastor. Please forgive me. I'm about forgiveness. And the cop looks at me and says, then you should know the rules better. And then we get to church, and, and when we're at church, I'm like, okay, I'm frustrated, I got a ticket, staff member comes in, says something to me, I get up behind my desk, I pop him in the face, and then I lose my job, I'm irritated, I'm mad, and then I lose my job, I'm going back down 31, I get pulled over again by the same cop who's been hanging out there all day, this time I'm not going down without a fight, I end up behind bars, and before I know it, my life has tanked, all because I didn't wake up at 5 a.m., Okay, exaggerating a little bit. My point is this. Prayer is a cornerstone habit that creates momentum. Capture this. If, if you can pray together, if you can seek God together, more than often you'll attend church together. More than often you'll, you'll listen to worship music together. More than often you'll, you'll feel uh, closer and intimate together. See, prayer is a very intimate practice and discipline. I want to encourage you. Maybe you're in that dating scene right now. Pray in public. Pray in public. Pray at the Applebee's with the table in between you. Pray vertical, not horizontal. Pray with other people in the room, not by yourselves. Prayer is something that unites a couple, a spousal relationship in a very deep, intimate way. It's something for us to grab onto, to grasp, to, to say it's a cornerstone habit for us. I, I fundamentally believe this. If you pray together, you'll stay together. If you pray together, you'll stay together. So, 2 Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin 
and will heal, heal their land. Pray and seek my face. So we're talking about marriage. I figured I would have my beautiful wife up here and kind of talk about a little bit of our prayer life, our journey together, uh, because it's not as easy, I guess you would say, as it is to be like, hey, let's just pray together. It's actually unique. It, it takes a process. So I asked Britt, I have three questions for you. Putting her on the hot seat today. And sometimes I sweat up here. I wanted someone else to sweat up here and join I me. I wore black, so we're so good. So here we go. Uh, <laughs> question one, uh, maybe you can speak into this. How would you say we learned to pray together? Um, I think initially, especially when we were first married or even engaged, it was more of a private thing. We would um, pray for each other. Maybe the other person didn't know we were doing it. I know when we were first dating, I would put little cute notes on his desk that maybe had a prayer on them of what I was praying over him in his office that day. We did work together when we were first um, dating. And so I think just that vulnerability of starting somewhere of... um, you know, it might be awkward at first, sometimes praying out loud, even if you're not married. I think just praying out loud sometimes takes practice. It takes vulnerability. It takes, oh, I have to say these words out loud. It's not just up in my head. Do I sound dumb? Do I sound stupid? But just being vulnerable vulnerable with one another. Um, I know a practical way that we still do that is um, I pray over him before he speaks is one way. Um, and I don't always get back there every Sunday. So I think it's also important to know that it's not about... Um, at, oh, at eight o'clock, we're going to pray together. I think it's just about a habit of c- continual prayer in the sense of like, I might not always make it back there every Sunday to pray for him, but just making it a habit of, I know he's praying for me and he knows I'm praying for him. Yeah, that's, that's good. It's something that we had to grow into, right? Um, and so we talked about how we've grown into that a little bit, but how about those moments uh, when you would, when we kind of process when what would you say that prayer or absence of prayer, what it does or doesn't do in our marriage? Like there's a drastic uh, difference whenever we're praying for each other and whenever we're not praying for each other, right? Maybe you could speak into that a little bit. Yeah, so I think that prayer just brings you together. It strengthens you. It strengthens your marriage. I know when we go weeks, it gets busy. Like we have three kids now. Life gets busy. Life gets um, exhausting sometimes. And so I think just knowing even in the good times that you continue that prayer life um, because it brings you together. When we were first married on our wedding day, um, some people do the unity candle. We decided to do um, braiding three cords together. Um, that was a fun experience. Um, the glue the glue fell off, and so we had to hold the cord. It was, it was a mess. Um, but anyways, <laughs> Ecclesiastes. But we stay been, united, We right? stay united, yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, you held them and I braided. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, um, Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So I think when you're keeping God, keeping Christ at the center, praying, um, it's going to be a lot harder to break you apart. And so always keeping him first, then each other. Um, I also thought, you know, we're in such a me-me culture, and so putting one another before even yourself is, is important sometimes, so. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, like, we understand that praying can be challenging in aspects of our relationship, and maybe you're, like, sitting in here like, yes, now my spouse has to pray for me, and, and maybe you're like, this is awkward, and maybe you're a dude in here, and you're like, dude, I'm me in prayer life, that is, like, for me internally in my mind, uh, but what advice would you give someone out there or a couple out there that's learning to maybe start to actively pray with one another? Um, first of all, I would just say start. 
you know, no matter how long you've been married, maybe you're single, whatever it might be, start praying for that person um, in private. Then let them know that you're praying for them. It might be easier for you to do a prayer journal. I know that sometimes when you do a prayer journal for someone, you can look back at like, oh, wow, God moved in that situation. Um, And so I think the most important thing is just to start, no matter where you're at. um, It can be daunting. It can take vulnerability, like like I've said, um, but just just start. Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you for joining me up here, and uh, I look forward to praying with you later. Uh, yeah, you know, horizontally. Um, prayer, it's essential. Um, I, I do want to pause and uh, highlight this. Uh, I recognize that some of us are in a relationship, marriage, um, if you could rewind time, you probably would talk about this a little more thoroughly and process this a little more thoroughly, but you realize, hey, maybe your spouse isn't as uh, on fire for God as you are. Maybe their relationship with Jesus is a little more hesitant, or maybe they don't even have a relationship with Jesus. Um, my encouragement for you when it comes to praying with a spouse that doesn't know the Lord is first and foremost, if you're not already, which I'm sure you are, pray over them. Keep praying over them. Make it a constant habit. Pray, pray, pray. And then maybe start small. Say, hey, can I maybe lay a hand on the shoulder? And, and most people I know are open to spirituality. Maybe your spouse might be, and you can just say, hey, maybe just say a simple prayer. Hey, I hope you have a great day at work and that you have favor with your coworkers and boss. And just call it that. And then you never know how God might be moving, how God might be operating in those moments. You never know what God's doing behind the scenes or how God is working and crafting that person's heart. I want to encourage you with that. See, when we're praying together with our special people, our spouse, the relationship that God's given us, a blessed marriage that we've had and that we have, all of us, very fortunate. We're talking about having fun with one another next week and about how important that is. We're talking about how favor-filled we are when we find people that can offset some of our weaknesses or that can be a helpmate or someone that's a companion and friend. And and it's, it's a great privilege that we have. And I would say this, as we commit to seek God, when it comes to prayer, make it a priority for you. Say, hey, I'm gonna take my number two and we're gonna seek number one. See, it's really challenging in relationships to be addicted to pornography, to commit adultery, to have wandering thoughts when you're actively praying with your spouse. It's hard to fight with somebody when you're actively praying with your spouse. It's hard to say, I'm going to hold on to this grudge and never forgive them when you're making a commitment to actively pray with your spouse. Psalms 119 verse 2 says this, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies and who seek him with their whole heart. You know, culture in the world, it says this. It's like, hey, I'm going to give my heart to somebody, right? It's man leaves his family, woman leaves her family, they become one. That means your heart is shared with that special, unique person. What Psalms 119 says, seek God with your whole heart. And I want to encourage you to do that with that special someone in your life this week. 
So say this with me. I'm going to say it, and then we'll ask you to repeat it. Commit to seek God together. That's what I want you to take away today when it comes to our marriages. Commit to seek God together. Let's say that on the count of three. One, two, three. Commit to seek God together. I'm going to conclude with this. Um, we, we talk about this often. First and foremost, we are about marriages. We're about families. We want to see the biblical family unit grow and, and be countercultural. We want to see God blessed and give biblical favor to marriages. We want to see you have a thriving relationship. So we hope that you've either laid a foundation for that next relationship, or maybe right now you're starting to think, hey, am I seeking God 100% with my number two? Am I seeking and pursuing God with the person who has my heart? I want to take a moment right now with everybody in this room watching online. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Maybe you're here with that special someone. Grab their hand right now. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. And maybe you're in here and you're not married. Maybe you just need to take a moment and just pray over the marriages and their success. Lord, we give you this time right now. We call on your name. We worship you. Lord, you see those hurting relationships. You see those broken relationships. You see those who are going through challenges. You see those who are going through certain predicaments and obstacles. Lord, right now we are praying for restoration. Lord, we are praying for, for, for one cornerstone habit that these individuals, that these marriage couples pursue you with everything they have and they commit to praying daily together. Lord, we know that sometimes life gets busy. We know that sometimes we can be distracted. We know that sometimes we can be hurt. But we know that we are closely knit, that we are bonded, and that we share a heart with our special person, our spouse. And when we do that and we commit to seeking you, we know you will pour out your blessing on your children. We give you this moment and we say thank you for everything you've done. You're great and holy name we all say amen so before we before we dismiss i just want to highlight a couple things real quick the band is going to play they're going to play a song uh, our prayer team is going to come up and they're going to be up here and they would love to pray with you maybe you and your spouse but i also want to challenge you with this maybe you don't have a relationship with jesus i said it earlier in the message um, that every great relationship first starts with understanding what Jesus has done for each and every one of us and how he's given his life for us, how he went to the cross for us, atoned for our sins on that cross, was nailed, was crucified for us. He, he died for our sin. God raised him three days later. Now he's sitting in heaven and we're praising him and thanking him. So maybe you're in here and you start... Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.